Well, glad that you joined us today on this very special Sunday, which is Mother's Day. And uh, we honor and celebrate our moms. And we also honor and celebrate all the women who have had such a positive impact on us uh, over the years. And uh, we realize this can be a wonderful day for so many. And at the same time, a hard day for some as well, where some moms have gone on before us and have passed on and we miss them. And uh, others were just grieving the loss of a mom that we maybe never knew or never had a relationship with the way we wanted. And then some just uh, having some dashed dreams where they had uh, hopes and ambitions. And to this point on the journey, it just hasn't been that way for them. So we honor all of our moms and we honor the women in our lives. And, and in just a few moments, we're going to hear from Pia Larmer and Sonia Heath. And they're going to talk about both the joy and the pain of, uh, of mothering. And um, so today, again, we choose to uh, honor and celebrate and uh, make space for this invitation for all of us to live beyond ourselves. You know, if there's a temptation that all of us face, it's to actually live focused on ourselves. Uh, if we live well, and I believe all of us want to live well, we have this uh, invitation from God to live beyond ourselves, to live for his glory and honor, and then to live in such a way that we, um, we actually leave something behind. A, a positive movement, so to speak, or in the words of our culture, we leave a legacy in the people that we, uh, we love and we uh, come in contact with and we spend significant time with. So uh, we're going to talk about living beyond ourselves today. And um, I, I love this passage where Paul writes to a young pastor and he's encouraging him and he's um, recognizing some really positive movements in his life. And he draws attention to his grandmother and his mother. And uh, in his second letter to Timothy, chapter one, beginning at verse three, he writes this. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. That's part of the pain of life. I long to see you, Paul writes, so that I may be filled with joy. That's the other part of the experience of our lives. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother Eunice. And he says, I'm now persuaded lives in you also. That's a really, really cool passage where Paul says, uh, first of all, he acknowledges that he's in the same line as his ancestors who lived faithfully before God. And then he recognizes that Timothy didn't get to where he is on his own, but there was a legacy of faith and love first in his grandmother uh, Lois and then in his mother Eunice. And uh, so we thank God for those who have uh, given life to us and who have modeled a life of faith for us. And then I also think of the Apostle Paul where we don't hear anything in the New Testament that he had a wife or that he had children, but he writes this to the same man, to Timothy, in his first letter. He writes in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith. And so he never had a biological son or daughter that we're aware of, but he calls Timothy his true son in the faith. And so all of us have this huge privilege and opportunity to influence others. And we start at home, of course, but then we export it far and wide. And that's one of the wonderful blessings of belonging to an intergenerational church family where the older have an impact on the younger, the younger also have an impact on the older. And so um, we can live beyond ourselves on this Mother's Day. So I'm gonna invite Pia to come at this time and she's gonna, uh, remind us again of the wonderful joy that goes with uh, this beautiful blessing of being a mother. 
Thank you, Dave. And today I have the privilege of talking about uh, a mother's joy. And I want to take a look at the life of Elizabeth to talk about this today. And Elizabeth is the mom of John the Baptizer. And we can all learn so much from her life about what it means to have joy, whether you have children or not, maybe you're a gentleman watching today, or even if you're a young adult, the lessons from Elizabeth's life we can all put into practice because joy is something actually that we are all looking for. And sometimes I think that we confuse happiness with joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. We think if I have this, or if this happens, then I'll be happy. Joy is actually much deeper than our circumstances and the roots go down very far with joy. And actually joy is found tied in our relationship with Christ. We can take a look at Elizabeth to see what I mean. Elizabeth didn't have, societally speaking, everything that she wanted. She was an older woman, she didn't have children, and in her society, that brought a lot of shame and even some questions about her character. But Elizabeth did not turn her back on God, and she did not allow the circumstances to rob her of the joy of having a relationship and serving God. And we can learn from her in that, in that lesson. In Zechariah, um, in Luke 1, 6, it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Elizabeth found joy in following the regulations that God had laid out for her, living the life that God had intended for her. And that's the first lesson I want us to remember about joy, that joy comes from obedience to God. Eventually, Elizabeth did discover that she was going to have a child and scripture says that she would experience great joy. It says, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of God. Now Elizabeth would experience this joy of motherhood and her job would be to raise her child with a love and reverence for God. And the true joy of motherhood, this is where I wanna focus on today, comes from the most important thing we can do and that's pointing our kids to Christ. We need to be careful that we don't substitute good things for the best thing. And the best thing that we can do for our kids is to help them learn how to live the life that God intended for them. And that leads us to the second truth about joy that I wanna focus on today. True joy is found when we're connected to Christ. When we take a look in scripture, there's a gentleman named Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was not liked by very many people, but Jesus reached out to him in relationship. And in scripture, it says Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus into his home with joy. He had joy because he was connected to Christ. And then David, the psalmist in Psalm 51, talks about a time when he was separated from God because of his sin. And in verse eight, it says, Give me back my joy again. He knew that he experienced joy when he was connected to God relationally. And so true joy for us comes from our relationship with Christ. And we can see this as we continue in the story of Elizabeth. Not only did she experience joy in her life, but it says that the baby that she was carrying leaped with joy. Luke 1 says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that I get to be in the presence of the mother of the Lord, that she should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. It was when they were in the presence of Christ that the baby jumped for joy. So the biggest joy of motherhood and the opportunity that we've been given is to bring our kids 
into the presence of Christ. And this is true for all of us, not just for moms. All of us actually have this opportunity to be a mom of sorts when we bring life to our area where we live, to the world that we live in. When we bring Christ to people, we are bringing life to them. And that's an opportunity that we are all given, not just moms today. And this is actually outlined for us in Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. So pretty much we're instructed to talk about our relationship with God throughout every part of our lives. It isn't just a segmented portion of our lives, but it happens all the time. And then it says, make them known to your children and your children's children. So as a mom, I need to ask myself, am I still being purposeful about making Christ known to my kids? More than anything else, this is the most important thing I can do for them in every stage of their life. And the way I do this is actually by allowing Christ to infiltrate every portion of my life, like we talked about and heard in that scripture we just read. It's not just something that happens one hour on Sunday, but it's something I'm supposed to do in every season, in every portion of every moment of my life. And seeing our kids grow in their faith is one of the greatest honors that we can have. Nehemiah 6 talks about, um, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. This great work of bringing the joy of Christ to people's lives is so important. We have to stay focused and we have to be intentional. And the great work of this doesn't just happen by accident. How do we actually do it? Well, the first thing about bringing the joy of Christ's presence to people, we have to experience Christ's presence ourselves. I can't bring my kids, I can't bring my neighbors and friends to somewhere that I have never been. I need to do that. There is a, a blog that I follow called Parent Q, Q, and they give four specific points that are very helpful. And these are for moms, but they're not just for moms. So for all of us that are listening today, these four points can help us practice the presence of Christ in our lives every single day. The first one is here. Listen to God's word. Look and see how scripture describes his character, how he invites us to live our lives. And we can only do that by digging into his word. So hear what scripture has to tell us about God. Pray, have a dialogue with God. How can we have a relationship without communication? And in that relationship, in that connectedness, that's where we find joy. The third um, point is talk. When we talk about our faith in Christ, when we talk about the things we're learning about God, it reaffirms it in our own lives and our faith is strengthened. But then the practicality of it is, how does somebody know about Christ unless I tell them about it? So we need to be willing to talk about Christ, his love and his goodness. And then the final point is live. The way we worship is with our lives. And the best way we do this is like we heard about last week. We actually have to put these things into practice. When we model a daily pursuit of our relationship with Christ, that speaks more volumes than just words alone. So we have to model it and speak it and have both of them come together. So we heard last week that just thinking about something doesn't actually accomplish it. We actually have to practice it. I wish it did because if just thinking about it made it happen, I would be a gourmet chef I would be extremely fit and all my outfits would be perfectly coordinated. But until I actually put something into practice, I can't just hear about it for it to have any real value in my life. So 
Um, being mom, being a mom is truly one of the best joys of my life. And it does bring me so much joy. Lisa Turkers has a quote that goes like this. It says, the joy of motherhood is a million little moments that God weaves together with grace, redemption, laughter, tears, and most of all, love. When I was growing up, there was an acronym about joy, an acronym about joy, and it started like this. It said, Jesus first, and then it continued. But I think we can stop right there. Jesus first is what really matters the most. Mother Teresa said, help one person at a time and start with the person nearest you. So for moms, one of the people nearest you is your children and your family right there. And for the rest of us that are listening, who are the people that are closest to you that God has brought into your life that you have the opportunity to help by bringing Jesus to them um, and experiencing that joy? So let me ask you this. Who are you bringing into the presence of Jesus to experience joy? And are you experiencing the joy of being connected to him as well? Happy Mother's Day. I remember getting pregnant for the first time and feeling so completely lost. I received training in school. I went to Bible college in nursing, but I was never trained for one minute in how to be a parent. However, in the midst of all of my fear, I felt so excited for what was coming, for who this little person was going to be. I had all idealistic thoughts on motherhood. I can't imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she was about 12 to 14 years old and that she was so young and probably felt so unprepared as well. And yet she was so excited to take hold of her identity as a mother. In Luke 2, 25 to 35, we hear of Simeon who was waiting so long for the Messiah to come. And Jesus was being brought that day with Joseph and Mary into the temple. And when he saw Jesus, he knew that that was who the Messiah was going to be. So he went up to them and he gave them a blessing. He said to them, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And it says here, and a sword will pierce your very soul. He says this to Mary. It was such a strange message to receive that a that a sword would pierce her soul. It wasn't because Jesus was gonna be a difficult child, but because of the very fact that Mary would invest her whole self into this baby child and she would be incredibly wounded in the process. I don't wanna trivialize this message because my children will never have to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. But I can recognize that whenever you give yourself completely for anyone, the pain will also accompany the act. Some of you know that Al and I are parents to three young adult children, but many of you have not met them and you may not know our history. So I'll just give you a little backstory. As I mentioned earlier, I was so nervous and yet excited at the fact that I was pregnant. We went out and we bought all the baby things. We told everybody. However, it wasn't meant to be. I hadn't even met this baby, but I loved it so much. I remember the night before I miscarried that I sat in my rocking chair and I put my hands in my stomach and I just told the Lord that this child was his, that he could do with it whatever he wanted. From that moment on, every time that I was pregnant, 
we would lay my hands, our hands on my stomach, and we would pray and dedicate the child to the Lord and tell the Lord that he could have him if he wanted. When uh, a year passed by, and at that time, we ended up having another baby. It was almost within that same year. We named her Summer Rose after her grandmother, and we raised her so grateful, knowing that she was a gift from God. She's grown to be such a bright light and she's got such a strong personality. We decided when they were born that we were going to give them an anthem verse that would be hopefully the story of their life. For her, we gave her Proverbs 1, 8 to 9. And it says, listen, my daughter, to your father's words and don't forget what your mother taught you. It will be a crown to make your head pretty and gold around your neck. Three years later, we gave birth to Levi Jonathan. His name meant chosen one. He was born with club feet and we had to go to the hospital every week to get new casts put on. At about a year old, he then had to go through surgery because they couldn't manipulate them um, in order for him to walk. And I remember when he was just a little one and he had these casts on and I was sitting in the waiting room and he was still screaming from the pain of it. And as he was screaming and crying, I started crying as well. I don't think you can do that very much when your children are crying in pain. And I remember thinking that my heart was wounded for my son. Sometimes parenting is painful. I remember at eight years old, we went to the doctors and the doctor said to Levi, what would you like Levi? And he said, I just wanna be like every other little boy. And the doctor looked at him and said, Levi, you will never be like every other little boy. You will be different. And Levi had a tear going down his cheek. And at that time, my heart was broken for him too. I wanted the wholeness for him as well. He's always been a kind and reflective boy. And his scripture uh, went along with him very well. His scripture for life was taken from Romans 10, 14 to 15. And his says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, a week before we went into surgery for Levi, Al and I were talking and I just said to him, would you ever consider having three kids? And he said, yeah, I think that would be nice. Let's pray about it. But it was a good thing that he said, yeah, it would be nice because as it turns out, I was already four months pregnant and five months later, we had our third child and his name was Quentin Robert Allen Heath. Quentin means wisdom and Robert and Alan were after his grandfather and his dad. Early on, he was diagnosed with ADD because he really did have a lot of trouble in, um, in just in his learning and being distracted. And it was painful as parents to watch when his actions would be misunderstood. We would always have to be his defense. Parenting sometimes is painful. He was quick to smile. He was always ready to help a person in need. And the life verse that we gave to him was also taken from Proverbs. It was three, one and two. And it says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for it will prolong your life and give you peace and prosperity. When they grew up, they had to make our faith their own. And sometimes there were times when they really got it right and sometimes when they just didn't. It kind of reminds me of my history and my teen years and of when I would fall away and how much pain I caused my parents. 
At times, this process with our kids, it has taken us off guard. It has really humbled us and it has brought a lot of tears. We have felt wounded and parenting isn't always easy. But my whole goal in life was to raise children that love the Lord because I know the blessing and the reward that comes from a life that follows Jesus. However, I'm sure that every parent can agree whether your children follow or don't follow Christ. We can't help but love them with everything that is in us because our hearts are tied and mended together. Through this process that Al and I have been through, we have had learned some invaluable lessons. There's three lessons that we've learned and that we are keeping into practice all the time. The first one is to trust God. The second one is to pray. And the third one is to take time to reflect. Number one, you need to trust God through this process. He knows more than you about your child. The one thing that I am confident of is that God is our father. And if he is our father, we know that he is the best parent than any one of us can have. One of the other things that I have come to realize is that God knows their heart better than you do. So any word, any uh, feeling that they get that God has put into their hearts will speak more words than a million coming from your mouth. He speaks with 100% accuracy into their hearts because he knows them best. Uh, number two is to pray for your kids. You can never underestimate the power of a praying parent, the power of praying family, the power of praying friends. If you have children that are going through difficult times right now, gather your close inner circle, share with them and be vulnerable and allow them to pray on behalf of your children. And number three, know that this is a time for reflection. Humble your heart and ask God to work in your life and to show you the things that are keeping you from being a true reflection of who he is. Um, sometimes our, we have so many limitations and we are not perfect, but don't let your pain be in vain. One thing that I have learned personally is that I have learned that God has shown me I need to show so much more grace for my children and I need to show grace on other people who are going through things with their children as well. I have raised my children with the end goal to follow Jesus. And although there has been a lot of pain in the process, and it feels at times that a sword has pierced my soul, I wouldn't trade it for the relationship that I've experienced. Thank you, Pia and Sonia, for helping us uh, this morning with this uh, teaching about mothers and uh, the role that joy and pain play in um, our personal development, as well as the experience of um, giving and loving others. And uh, so I just want to wrap up with this one thought, and we're going to have communion in just a moment. You're invited and not obligated. And so if you want to prepare a beverage of your own choosing and a cookie or a cracker, we're going to eat and drink together in just a few moments but the reach of a mother or a mother's reach. Um, there's this Psalm 127 that talks about how um, children are a blessing from the Lord. And um, in fact, it says in the NLT, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children who are born to people when they are young are like arrows. In the Jewish uh, mindset, a child was like an arrow placed in the hands of a parent. They're like arrows in the hands of a soldier. Blessed are those who have many children. And uh, there's actually a historical story of a woman by the name of Susanna Wesley. She had 18 children. I think that qualifies for many. 
and uh, she was a woman who uh, raised her family in the ways of the Lord. And um, she's known for trying to steal away on a daily basis to spend one hour with God, even while she was raising her 18 children. This was the days before YouTube and Netflix and just putting on the video for your child. And so it was commonly understood in her household that when she would take her apron and sit in her chair and put it over her head, that she was to be undisturbed because she was praying and having conversation with God. Well, her family ended, ended up being incredibly fruitful in the kingdom of God, where you may be aware of a man by the name of John Wesley, who was responsible with a group of other preachers and teachers for spreading the gospel across the western part of the United States. And John Wesley himself was one of the founders of the Methodist movement or the Methodist church. And she had another son by the name of Charles Wesley who wrote over 6,000 hymns. And so this woman who was blessed by God to have 18 children, which is hard to actually comprehend, made it a priority to seek God. And uh, she saw her children as arrows, as the writer of the Psalms tells us. And uh, those arrows were released and uh, they did some wonderful good in the kingdom of God. So I wanna leave you with these five quick take-homes and I know you're already at home, so we'll call them spiritual curbside pickup for today. Uh, but here they are. And this will help all of us, especially parents, as we consider what it means to steward the arrows that God has entrusted to us. So here's the, the five quick curbside pickups for today. Get clear about your mission as a person. Start with acknowledging Jesus as King. Work toward giving him the full allegiance of your life. That's the starting point for being the kind of person who stewards the arrows that are entrusted to us. Uh, number two, enlist yourself on mission with Jesus as a parent and agree with Jesus that your primary role as a parent is to partner with God in making disciples starting at home. And so we, we wanna raise uh, responsible citizens in our country. We wanna raise uh, successful students and uh, wonderful human beings. But first and foremost, we wanna start by raising up devoted disciples of Jesus, and we start at home with our kids. Thirdly, view your children as a sacred gift from God that are on loan for just a short period of time. The years go by far too quickly and they are released into the world. And so we have this closing window of influence as Christian parents. Let's make the most of every opportunity and view them as a sacred gift or loan from God. Number four, remember that they are unique. Every one of our children are unique with the capacity to do some things well, scripture says, but not all things well. And so we don't treat every child the same in that regard. Uh, one of the jobs of a parent is to uncover and recognize the skills and the gifts and the abilities and to affirm those because God has called them often in ways that are consistent with the ways he's gifted them. And so we celebrate what they can do well, but we realize they can't do all things well. And so we offer them grace for the areas of weakness and the areas they've not been gifted in. And then finally, number five, offer them unconditional love and mirror the grace of God toward them. The most important gift you can give your child is a godly example. And the second one is to demonstrate and reflect the unconditional love of God. And that will position them well for life in the kingdom of God and life in this world. So we're gonna celebrate and observe communion together now. If you're new to our YouTube channel, new to faith, um, you're not obligated to eat and drink with us. Uh, this is for those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus and are learning what it means to follow him closely. And so um, these are symbols that point us to the substance of Jesus' broken body, 
and his shed blood. And so we're going to eat and drink in just a moment, reminding ourselves that Jesus is at the center of this observance and this celebration. And Jesus is at the very center of our lives, at the center of our homes. And so um, there are graces that are afforded us when we eat and drink with faith. And uh, so again, this eating and drinking is not for the perfected or there would be nobody eating and drinking. This is for those who know that they need help from above. Uh, for those who, again, have already resolved that they have put their saving faith in Jesus, not in themselves. And um, so we are going to, uh, again, recite a creed. And all it is, is a early developed um, statement of propositional truths that the early church uh, believes to be um, true. And so this is the um, content of our faith that we're just about to recite together, known as the Apostles' Creed but the substance of our faith is Jesus. And so um, if you're comfortable, wherever you find yourself today, would you join me by reciting the Apostles' Creed and then we'll eat and drink together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And if you believe that to be true, would you say amen with me? Amen. Father, thank you today for the cracker or the cookie that we hold in our hands, symbolic of the broken body of the Lord Jesus. And on this Mother's Day, we recognize that we need your help uh, first and foremost, to be absolved and forgiven for our sins. And we also need the help and the grace that comes to us from above. And so as we eat this cracker, uh, may it be um, a potency in our life that um, helps us with our troubled minds, our troubled souls, our troubled relationships. And may, most importantly, may we eat with thanksgiving and gratitude, recognizing all that was done for us. So with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, would you join me by eating the wafer symbolic of his broken body? And we hold the cup, symbolic of a brand new covenant or agreement whereby it was established in his blood. And uh, so with high regards for the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you join me by drinking from the cup, symbolic of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus? Amen. Happy Mother's Day. I want to invite our host pastors to come back at this time.